This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 and go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater's America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Happy Saturday. Ah, another week with nothing to talk about. Ah, uh, well, I guess we'll uh, talk about Syria. Um, so I got a couple principles that, that I want to share here just so so you know where I uh, how I think about things like this before we get to what I think. So the question is, the bigger question is when does America get involved, right? When does our military get involved with a conflict overseas? Now, of course, you have the, the simple principle, whenever our national security is at risk. Okay, but uh, like what, what does that really mean? So my nature is to be hawkish All right that's that's my emotional initial knee-jerk reaction to things is to turn them into a parking lot that kind of thing right now i know that that's not a healthy urge and that it is emotional and not reasoned so because of that every time this question comes up i come at it from the opposite i come at it from the non-interventionist perspective so instead of saying, we got to go and blow them up, I say, no, definitely not. But I then have to convince myself why we must be involved. Does that make sense? If I, if I, if I stick with my initial proposition of, well, like, we gotta, of course we got to bomb them, then I have to convince myself why we shouldn't. I prefer now to come at it from the don't, but let's try to make the argument as to why we should. Does that make sense? So with Syria, my first instinct is, oh, let's go get them. But now I'm saying, all right, no, hold on. Let's not do anything. But why should we? And then I start to make that case. So in this situation, what does it mean to get involved? Well, 59 Tomahawk missiles at a direct, specific target. Decisive, clear, military-related. That's what it means to be involved. And if that's what that means to be involved, coming at it even from the non-interventionist perspective of we shouldn't, that's a pretty good argument. Now, let, let me talk a little more about the hesitations. Uh, the Institute for the Study of War released a map of Syria. And 
it had a, it was color coded and it was it was who controls the different areas of Syria. So you have ISIS has certain areas. The Kurdish forces have the areas in the north. The rebel groups have different areas. There's areas under uh, Turkish control. And then there's the area that is controlled by the Syrian government and Assad. It's maybe landmass wise, it's maybe a tenth of the country is controlled by the Syrian government. But that, of course, is the area that's most populated and most economically important. This is where Russia and Iran have, mostly Russia, have controlled the show as well. This is also where Assad, the president of Syria, is killing people. So here's the problem for us. Again, talking hesitations. Because we're coming at it, I, I come at it from a non-interventionist. And here's all the reasons why we shouldn't get involved. Let's, 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 let's list these first before we get back to the reason we should. The reason we shouldn't is because Assad is backed by Russia. So if we move against him, we move against Russia. Russia has decided that Assad is in their vital interest. Why? Because uh, Syria is Russia's only warm water port. Check out a map of Russia. The only warm water port they have, meaning the only area where their navy can function year-round is Syria. That's their only access to the Mediterranean Sea. You have the Black Sea there. But in order to do that, you got to go through the Bosporus Strait in Turkey. And Turkey's in NATO and kind of ish allied with us. So if Turkey blocks that off, then Russia has an awesome lake navy in the, in the Black Sea. So that doesn't do any good. So Syria is their only warm water port. So it, they are desperate to keep control in Syria so that they can uh, keep their navy stationed there. So it's very, very important for, for Russia. Meaning, it, it, like for us, it's mm, Syria, whatever, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course, there's importance there, but for us, not nearly as much as it's important for Russia. David French said that on the 100th anniversary of America getting involved in World War I, it was, it was two days ago, 100 years ago, we got involved in World War I. So it's been 100 years. Very few people alive today remember what it's like to live through a conflict between two great powers. Obviously, our World War II veterans, but that's pretty much it. The conflicts we've been in recently, it's very, you know, we're going to drop a missile in Yemen somewhere or some Al-Qaeda village that no one's ever heard of. But ooh, you got to be careful. A single battle with Russia? Are you kidding? That could have more casualties than all these recent wars combined. So David French says that doesn't mean, does not, does not mean we should operate from a posture of fear and timidity, but rather from one of sobriety and wisdom. And it also means that if we choose to escalate our military operations to directly strike where Russia has planted its flag, then the American people need to have their voice heard through the elected representatives. We should not stumble our way into conflict. We should not lash out in anger and rage, no matter how justified, without carefully considering our strategy. There's two important points in that paragraph there. I believe it is essential that we declare war through Congress. I, 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 we cannot stumble into a great conflict, a great power conflict. And honestly, Trump would be a fool to not go to Congress because once you do that, it covers you politically. I mean, of course, it has to be done constitutionally, and Congress will grant him the power. So he's got to do it. Now, this attack the other day, may, maybe maybe you don't need congressional approval for that because it had to be done quickly, element of surprise. Okay, I get that. But 
as this escalates, if this escalates, which I kind of don't think it will, but if it were to escalate, you have to get congressional approval to declare war. You have to do it right. Because if you don't, then the Republicans have no... If we don't, Republicans are hypocrites. For the last eight years, President Obama drops bombs off drones and everything else without any congressional approval. And Republicans are rightly critical of that. And then we have our guy in there and he's not going to get congressional approval either. No, we have to be better than that. And in this case, there's no reason not to. There's really no reason not to. All right, French's second point. Um, he said, we should not lash out in anger and rage without carefully considering our strategy. Don't, don't spend too much time worrying about Trump, about President Trump. A lot of, you know, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's trigger happy. He's going to start a nuclear war. He's blah, 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 blah. Eh, don't worry about him. He's not really the one running the show on things like that. Of course, he's the one who makes the final decision, but he's not really the guy. It's McMaster and Mad Dog. McMaster is Trump's national security advisor, and Mad Dog Mattis is Secretary of Defense. Where you may think that Trump is inexperienced and doesn't know what he's doing, McMaster and Mad Dog are brilliant and wise. They are profound men. They are scholar warriors. And Trump shows deference to them, which is very good. Scholar warriors. So, so, so John McCain, John McCain's a hawk. He's not a scholar warrior. McMaster and Mad Dog Mattis are students of history. They have a depth and perspective like maybe no two men in the country. They are guys who play chess thinking 10 moves ahead of everyone else. One of my favorite Mad Dog quotes. Um, someone, someone tweeted me one the other day. Let's see if I can pull this one up quick. Uh, oh, I thought I had it here. Something like, here it is. Be virtuous and polite and have a plan to kill everyone in the room. Okay, so that's Mad, that's mad Dog. But my, my other favorite Mad Dog quote is uh, talking about how Everyone is, they got the whole new age thing is, oh, things are so different and it's a new generation of war and blah, 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 blah. And Mad Dog says, no, no, no. Alexander the Great would not be surprised by ISIS. Alexander the Great would not be befuddled by what to do with ISIS. It's, it's all been done before. He gets it. And these are men, again, they are profound thinkers, these two scholar warriors. So, where you may not have trust in President Trump, I do, and I, I'm, I say this with great caution because it's, you know, I don't know for sure and you can't, it's hard to trust him, but I do have a great amount of trust in McMaster and Mad Dog Mattis. Those two men are the guy who are, who guys who are really calling the shots here. And they are not hawks. So I'll stop there for a second. I'll come back and then we'll talk about why I do think we should have striked the other day. But are my hesitations known? Does that, does that all make sense? Like, I don't want war. I'm anti-war. But 
and we'll get to the rest next. one 888 Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is Mike Slater. Thanks for being patient with me as I outline hesitations and, and where I'm coming from and the perspective, the, the way I look at these questions. I don't want war. I don't want it at all. That being said, what, what Trump ordered the other night, uh, which apparently was agreed upon by his entire national security team for whatever that's worth, the 59 Tomahawk missiles on a very specific airbase target. That is the airbase that Assad ordered the chemical attack launched from. So a simple, direct purposeful, meaningful, significant. Like that, that's very, it's proportional, wasn't it? I think it was even Nancy Pelosi who said it was a proportional response. I was talking to someone yesterday who grew up in Iraq, Basim. Uh, his dad spoke out against Saddam or didn't even really speak out against Saddam, but was known to not like him and was imprisoned and tortured and handicapped today because of it. Anyways, Basim loves America. It was so awesome to talk to him. He just loves his loves this country. Um, but we were talking about the damage that, and I really, I really want this to be the last time I ever, ever bring this up because this is in the past, but the damage that Obama's red line caused and the fact that they never, he never followed through on the red line promise. So Basim's point was that this attack sends a message, not just to Syria, but to all the other players in the world that might be doing the same thing with chemical weapons, as Salcedo just said, you can't do that. This line is in effect now. This line applies. Now, that was Basim's point. Marco Rubio takes it another step further, and it's, it's, it's both these things. But Rubio says, quote, I don't believe this is a message. I believe this is actually a tactical action that furthers an objective. It's not a message. It's an actual degrading of the capability of the Syrian regime to carry out further chemical attacks against innocent civilians. This will degrade their capability to launch those attacks from the air. And I think it's an important step and hopefully part of a comprehensive strategy moving forward to bring in this blah, 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 blah. So it's not a, it's not a message. It doesn't, it doesn't send a message to Syria, right? It's, it's way more than a message. Maybe it sends a message to the rest of the world, but not to Syria. So we've, we've sent messages before, right? Um, during the or after the first World Trade Center attack, Bill Clinton, President Clinton, launched a missile at you know a couple tents here and there, and one was at a place where they thought Al Qaeda was was making nerve gas agents or whatever or anthrax or whatever, and they bombed it, and it turned out to be a pharmaceutical factory. So it's like uh, so, and and it turns out that I, I, my understanding is that it was only a pharmaceutical factory. This was an airfield. 
right? Obviously, no civilians around. Pretty clear cut. It was the airfield, a dozen hangars, and a fuel depot, right? This is all military infrastructure. I think, I almost really think this is as clear cut as you can get. Now, Rand Paul's against it. I love Rand Paul. And I get that I'm sensitive to that. But I think when you use chemical weapons, there needs to be a response from the first world. There has to be. There has to be a response from the civilized world to put a stop to that. Now, it's what's morally interesting about this, and we can lay, you know, leave this up for moral philosophers to debate. There's other things that Assad has done that have killed even more people conventionally, right? That's why it's, oh, I guess it's, this is like really it's hard to talk about, right? So he could kill a thousand people with your run-of-the-mill machine gun, and maybe that's not a reason for America to get involved. But if he kills a fraction of the number of people with chemical weapons, like, then we do? Yes. Like, I know that's, that may sound weird because you're like, well, hold on. He just killed a thousand people with a conventional weapon. And, and yeah, that's like, I don't, that's a harder case that America should get involved. And one that I, I don't know if I, if I would get on board with, but with the chemical weapons, that's, that's a line. And I think it's wise to put a stop to that. And when the opportunity like this was, uh, you know, this airfield and everything is like, I just mentioned is clear cut and specific and precise as that. I mean, I think you just got to take it. And it doesn't sound like a trigger happy response. Took a couple days. And again, I know Madison uh, McMaster were behind that. I talked to someone the other day about this and, and he's like, Slater, there's no way Mad Dog and, and McMaster, they're junior officers and they take orders. They don't give opinions. No way. We said from the jump that Trump is the delegator in chief and he's going to be like that with all things because that's how he runs his business. You can't run that many businesses unless you can delegate. It's impossible. Like it's hard for me to do a radio show without delegating. Like, and, and that's like peanuts compared to a billion dollar company, right? You have to delegate. And you also have to know the limits of your own understanding. So I was talking to this guy and, and he was going against what I said. And I said, are you telling me that president Trump got in a room with McMaster and mad dog Mattis? Uh, who knows? These guys got probably got like 60 years military experience. between. And Trump went, I'm going to tell you guys what to do. No way. No way. Trump had him in a room and said, all right, guys, what do you think? Do we attack? Do we not attack? Okay. Had a conversation. Okay. Here, here's what we think, Mr. President. Okay. It's a choice. Okay. Well, I think we should attack. Okay, guys, what do we do? How do we do it? Give me some options. They come back with some options. Here's, I don't know, three options. Okay. Let's boom. Let's do that one. Like that's how delegators make decisions. I'm sure that's how this went uh, down as well. But again, all funneled through the, the wisdom of McMaster and Mad Dog. And I really think that should be very comforting. Let me end here with a quote from Secretary of State Tillerson, Rex Tillerson. Um, he said, if there are weapons of this nature available in Syria, the ability to secure those weapons and not have them fall into the hands of those who would bring those weapons into the shores of the United States, uh, it's important that some action be taken on behalf of the international community to make clear that the use of chemical weapons continues to be a violation of international norms. So if this stays within that box, then I am in support of this, what, what Trump did the other day. Once it leaves those confines, 
we need Congress and we deserve a bigger debate and conversation about it. But right here where it lies, I think it's okay. 1-800-760-KFMB. 1-800-SEVD. Other show. 1-888-900-3393. Check out a, a map of Russia when you get a second. Um, it's pretty interesting, the fact that they only have one warm water port. As I mentioned, they got the port in the Black Sea, but you got to go through Turkey if you want to get into the Mediterranean and then out. So look at a map of, uh, of Russia. They have no warm water port, which is why their port in Syria is so important. They have um, air bases and uh, their navy in Latakia and a couple other cities uh, in, in Syria. So this is a vital, vital importance for Russia. Now, I don't know. I'm really not an expert enough in this to do this, but I would... I think there could be a conversation with Russia that says, all right, guys, you want, you're allying with Assad in Syria because you want Latakia and you want your ports in the Mediterranean. Okay. Like we'll, we'll let, we don't want you there, but we'll let you have that. If you just cut it out everywhere else. I think there's some negotiating there that can take place. If that's what Russia really wants. And, and it is because it's only one water port. Which is kind of crazy to think about. 1-888-900-3393. All right, there was a, a silly controversy last week, uh, but I'm going to take the bait. We'll talk about it next. Mike Slater's show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Mike Slater. All right, I'm going to take the bait of uh, one of the silly controversies from last week. There were two. I may take the bait of both of them. I don't know if we'll talk about the Pepsi commercial, but th- this one, this one, we'll uh, we'll chat about here. So this is the Washington Post wrote an article about Mike Pence, and they quoted a 2002 interview that he did, where Mike Pence, vice president, said he quote never eats alone with a woman other than his wife. And he doesn't go to events where they serve alcohol unless his wife is there as well. So you have that. Everyone's freaking out. As Matt Walsh put it, some serious breaking news yesterday. It turns out that Vice President Pence and his wife are in a healthy, normal marriage and they love each other very much. That should have been the end of the story. It's sort of, I was talking about this with a friend and uh, he goes, I told him that and he goes, okay, and? Like what's, I was like, oh, no, that's it. That's the problem. What's the problem? Because it's so funny. He goes, you know, if it was the opposite, people would be freaking out. Like if Mike Pence always was gallivanting about town, eating dinner with a women, with other women, it'd be, it'd be a big problem. And here he is saying he would never do that. And it's, oh my gosh, patriarchy and you're a uh, sexist. What in the world? So we can talk about this in one of two ways. We could take the, the Christian biblical approach to this, or we could just talk common sense. They happen to be the same thing, but uh, I guess it just matters how I make the argument. So I can just tell you what we do in my family. Um, the boundaries are, and, and these aren't restrictive. These aren't rules that we impose on each other. These are just things we've discussed and decided together because there's zero need to go to lunch or dinner 
with someone of the opposite sex alone. I, I, like, I don't even, I don't even get that. Like, people freaking out about this, citing you know, like career advancement and how this is Mike Pence's bigotry and sexism and how, uh, you know, how can women advance up the the ranks if men and women can't go to dinner together? And and uh, Molly Hemingway from the Federalist responded. Oh, I didn't realize your career advancement required so many boozy private dinners with the opposite sex boss. Mine required literally zero. I don't, I don't, I, I would have to go out of my way for that to ever happen. I don't, and I also love the self-righteousness of people talking about this topic as if cheating never happens. <laughs> That's the other thing too. Like, oh, men and women. Oh yeah, no, they never cheat on their uh, spouses. That never happens. Oh, it's crazy. Mike, oh, Mike Pence thinks that that happens. Oh, it never happens. What happens all the time? And the people who say, "Oh yeah, my spouse would never cheat on me," I'm certain that's nearly what everyone who's ever been cheated on has said at one point. So anyway, my wife and I have boundaries in, in our marriage. I've never had a situation where I would go to lunch or dinner with another woman certainly not with another woman my age um i don't even know why i'd want to <laughs> why, why would i want to form a friendship with another woman alone like I, I i know other women through people right and through staff my wife but I, why would i ever want to go get like i go shoe shopping with my wife enough i don't need another woman to go shoe shopping with. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't need more women. I got, it's fine. I got, I got stuff. It's one. It's all I need. So here's what it is. It's not about trust. I think this is where people get fired up. It's not trust. It's not about me trusting my wife or my wife trusting me. It's about respect. Matt Walsh, again, he put it nicely. He said, if I were to do something, if I were to do something and my wife accuses me of, of cheating, whether it be emotional or physical, and my response is, oh, I didn't do anything. Why don't you trust me? I think the appropriate response from my wife would be, no, no. Why don't you respect me? I respect my wife too much to ever put myself in a situation that would ever cause her to wonder or ever cause a rumor to be started about me and our marriage. Remember Bill Clinton, just like a year, a couple of years ago, he was asked why he cheated on his wife with Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember his response? Why did you cheat? He said, because I could. He said that out loud. That wasn't a reporter overhearing or something. He said it out loud on, on TV, like on a CBS interview or something. He said, because I could. Wow. So there's a big difference between can I do something? Yes, you can. And should I? No, you shouldn't. So Bill Clinton could cheat on his wife, but should he have? We can all cheat on our spouses, but should we? I could eat dinner with another woman, but why on earth would I? Why would I even want to? Even on a professional level, there's nothing that would ever need to be discussed that couldn't be discussed with another person also at the dinner or in an office setting. So anyway, it's not, I don't think it's a trust issue. It's not about insecurities. It's about respect. And then me for my wife, if my wife said, Oh, hey, honey, uh, I'm going to go out to dinner tonight with Jim. <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about? So, I don't know. I'll admit this one's a little tough for me because it's so obvious. I'm almost having a little trouble finding the controversy. But again, it's also kind of odd that the left criticizes Trump for being too abusive, 
towards women and then accuses Mike Pence of being too what I don't know, puritanical against women, right? Like they're, they're total opposites, but the left of course has trouble uh, with both. So reason number one, I should have been more organized with this. I apologize. Reason number one that I'm, I'm I and my wife have the same boundaries as Mike Pence. It's about respecting, respecting your wife, respecting your spouse. Number two, it's to protect yourself. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go to a bar. If you overeat, you don't buy ice cream and keep it in the freezer because you're going to eat it. Why tempt yourself? If you look at your phone too much, don't put it on the table at dinner because you're going to look at it. Like Why even open yourself up to further temptation? So Vox, a progressive website, they say, uh, oh, yeah, Mike Pence is a terrible person because his policies or this policy, this boundary, uh, continues the stereotype that all women are temptresses. No, but some are. What dream world are you living in where you don't think some women are? And then they also complain because they say it perpetuates the rape culture that says men are unable to control themselves. Some men do have a harder time. Which is why these men set stronger boundaries. So this is the, the weird paradox of it all. Mike Pence sets up these boundaries. Vox says, oh, you have no control over yourself. No. I have control over myself. Look, I put boundaries down. That proves I have control. If someone has boundaries, you shouldn't criticize these men for not having control over their urges. The fact that they set up healthy boundaries proves that they are very in control. It's someone who doesn't have boundaries that says they probably can't control their urges. So they have it, they have it backwards. The fact that, listen, if someone's an alcoholic and they're going through AA and they hang out at bars, the, like, I didn't know, family experience are probably going to drink again, right? There's going to be some situation where, you know, this, oh, come on, that thing, they fought, boom, one, and it's out. That's someone who, an alcoholic who goes to a bar, and I'm sure there's alcoholics listening who can amen this, and, but there's going to be one person who's like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. I go to the bar all the time. Okay, good for you. But most alcoholics, if you have it under control, you don't even go. And I say that to you, good for you. Good for you for setting up healthy boundaries to protect yourself. Same thing with Mike Benz. It's so odd to criticize him otherwise. And then the third thing is, uh, so it's protect, it's respecting your wife or husband. Uh, it is uh, protecting yourself and it's protecting your reputation just to make sure that no one can ever accuse you of assault or harassment. And the more prominent you are, and I don't necessarily mean famous, but just if you're in a leadership position at work or wherever, you never want to put yourself in a situation where that could be used to manipulate you or blackmail you. Right. We can take a break here. Maybe we can come back and talk about Bill O'Reilly, right? And what's he, what he's going through this last week. It's a perfect example of that. Like, I don't know. Like, so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a couple weeks ago, and he's got a girlfriend 
And he was helping an old friend move from her old apartment to her new apartment. And he and her, this girl, drove in the car together from the old one to the new one. And the girlfriend got upset. And my friend couldn't fathom why. And he was really quick to blame the girlfriend for being insecure and all the rest. And I told him, I said, listen, man, above reproach. Above reproach. Why toe the line? Why leave it up to doubt? Why even have to get in a situation where it's like, oh, no, I didn't. Like, why, why even do that? Why, why get even a mile away from it? So the question is, if someone says about you, let's say you get accused of, uh, of a sexual harassment. Or even worse, let's say someone accuses you of cheating on your wife. Do you want people to go, no, no way, impossible. No chance, no way, no how. How did you say he cheated? No, he went to, he went to a hotel with her? Nope. Mm-mm. Ne- it would never, ever, ever happen. You must be thinking of someone else. You must have saw someone else in that hotel lobby. Like There was n- no way was it, was it Charlie. Do you want that reaction? Or do you want people to be like, yeah, mm, that sounds about right. Yeah. Mike Pence wants to be that first guy above reproach. It's a good thing. I think it just shows the backwardness of our culture that he would be criticized for, uh, for doing that. one 933 Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. I just mentioned it, but uh, I know you've heard about uh, five. Is it five women? New York Times did a story about five women who have accused Bill O'Reilly of, of sexual harassment and, and stuff, and that either he or Fox News have paid out $13 million in settlements to if they agree to stay silent and not pursue uh, any more litigation. So he says uh, his response, obviously I didn't do it, just like other prominent and controversial people, I'm vulnerable to lawsuits from individuals who want me to pay them to avoid negative publicity. In my more than 20 years at Fox News, no one has ever filed a complaint with me with the Human Resources Department, even on the anonymous hotline. The worst part of my job is being a target for those who would harm me and my employer. So I have no idea. I I, I have no idea if that happened or not. I've never met Bill O'Reilly. I've never met anyone who worked with him. But that's a perfect example of above reproach. I bet you people who have worked with Bill O'Reilly for many years, if you take one of them and tell them about these accusations, they will either say, nope, no way, not in a million years. Or they'll say, well, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. Do you remember? Hey, Sally, do you remember when he said that to you? Do you remember this? That was weird. Wasn't it the way he acted with her or whatever? Right? Like, yeah, he did go out to dinner with her that one time, right? I mean, whatever. Like, it just it builds up evidence in a case. And that's a perfect example. That's that's the protecting yourself reason for setting that boundary. So why why do that? Why? Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that the 
not in a million years guy couldn't also do a bad thing, right? But for people in more prominent and public positions, it's all the more reason to be above reproach. And the story starts, you know, for the Billy Graham story, this is kind of the more recent iteration of it. But Billy Graham uh, went to a hotel room after speaking one night and there was a naked woman on his bed in in his hotel. So he had a choice. (laughs) Keep walking forward or turn around. And if he engaged with that, then that would have ruined his marriage and obviously his entire mission. He would have been a huge hypocrite. So he laughed, obviously. But then he prevented situations like that from ever happening again. His mentee uh, said of him, or he, he said to his mentee, I build moats around myself to keep sexual temptation at bay. I will not ride in a car with a woman who is not my wife. So is that protecting him? It's protecting his reputation. It's respecting his wife. It's all those things. It's just smart. Especially when we're coming, coming off of, you know, I guess a couple of presidencies ago, right? With Bill Clinton, you're like, don't you, don't you be happy? Shouldn't everyone be like, oh, good, good for you, Mike. <laughs> but of course you got a Vox coming out with all these articles about how oh, it's illegal and it's a uh, patriarchy and repression and back to, uh, what's it? Mad Men days and all this. Give me a break. All right. Coming up next. Um, I found a situation the other day where I would murder someone. Which is, it's, I, I didn't, I didn't know that was there, but I, I found it. I found the, uh, I found something, which is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, may, maybe murder, maybe murder is not the the best course of action, um, but it'd be real hard not to. I'll tell you what happened to. This woman and her daughter coming up next. And, and it's unbelievable. It, this one truly is like, so for instance, California, just the legislature up in Sacramento and California voted to raise the gas tax. Okay? Gas tax and vehicle registration fee again. A whole long story. Don't get me into it. And uh, you're hesitant to be like, like oh, you know, I'm, I'm so I'm shocked that they would do that. Well, like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not really shocked that they would do that. Of course they would do that. Same thing here, like, I kind of actually am, though, surprised that this is the law. As crazy as things are, the fact that this is the law is still surprising. We'll tell you next. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.